0: Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder here at Generations Church, and with me as always is my good friend and the lead pastor at Generations, Jeff Luddington. How you doing, Jeff? You got a big smile on your face. You're looking relaxed, man. What's up?
1: Man, I, I got a tan, I'm chill, <laughs> yeah, I just got back from vacation, and uh, yeah, I'm actually glad to be doing this again, I, not that I wasn't glad prior, uh, but I really enjoy this, and taking some time off, this is one of the things I miss and think about, and so glad to be back with you, it was good to see you on Sunday with your
0: beautiful wife at church, and just, uh, yeah man, it's good to be back, so of course I'm smiling, I'm, I'm chill. Nice. Yeah. So we just revealed a little secret which is we don't meet every single week to do these we normally do. During the school year we were meeting every week, but yeah. Rob and I live in a sound studio <laughs> to do podcasts only. Exactly. Exactly. So we had a little bit of time off, a little bit of time away from each other, but now it's man, it's halfway through the summer for teachers. It's getting, uh, now you go from seeing the glass half full to the glass half empty. We're halfway through. (laughs) The clock is ticking like sands through the hourglass. Ah, There you go. Well, we want to welcome you uh, back to our questions from the classroom series. So uh, if you're joining us new, I hope you'll go back and listen to the previous 19 episodes. Uh, But Jeff was a teacher this year at Valley Christian High School, teaching our seniors in the Reformed Doctrine class. And I've been at Valley Christian. That's 17, 18 year olds, not 70, 80 year old seniors. (laughs) Just for the record, high school seniors. There you go. Um, I've been teaching for 13 years now and uh, mainly math classes, but some Bible classes as well. So over the years, we have heard a lot of questions and you asked your kids for a lot of questions. And so we've been using those and trying to answer them um, in a way that not only is helpful for students, but um, high school students, but also younger people and older people. And so it's a great yeah. discussion starters. Uh, but sometimes when we when we ask these questions, we don't rewrite the questions. We don't change them to make them fit right. our topic. We just take them straight from the students' mouths and, and from the papers that they turn in. I edit in.
1: and capitalize because I'm super <laughs> yeah, OCD, that's but true. that's about it.
0: So this one is a very open-ended, very general question. And the question is, what does the Bible say about slavery?
1: Yeah, and that... So we can't possibly hear that without a modern day lens right like that you know because it it, racism uh, you know all the talk right now about crt things like that right so but i also know this was written you know this last year right in the this last school year and so modern day context i'm sure a part of this but i don't know the reason why this student asked this question and i you know we took all the names out so i don't know who asked it and so this is pretty open-ended. It leaves us a lot of places we could go. And so I thought of a few ideas. Um, one is that the Bible, Bible, either by outsiders uh, that are not Christians or sometimes by Christians, uh, is often accused, the Bible is often accused of condoning slavery. And, and so I would just say maybe one of the things we can talk about it, is that accurate. Does it, you know, others will say it calls slavery a sin. Some will say it condones it. So what, what do we see there? Um does the Bible liberate slaves? If you are a uh, African American Christian, there's a good chance um, liberation theology has been brought up and that, you know, Jesus is like the second Moses liberating people from slavery and the downtrodden. Well, what about that, right? Um, A great question is, are the slaves, are, are slaves in the Bible the same as we think about uh, you know, our context would be U.S. history, American history, African-American slavery, right? Is it the same, right? And then, you know, is there ever a, a deeper purpose or meaning in some of these passages that help give us understanding for that? So I think
0: those are some places we can go with this. So as we dug into this a little bit in preparing for this, we realized there's just a ton of stuff, Old Testament and New Testament, on this subject. So we're going to do a two-part episode. We're going to do uh, Old Testament this week. And New Testament next week. Yeah, here's what happened. Rob came in and said, "What? Is this a 45-minute episode this morning?" And I laughed at him and
1: we found out, "Okay, maybe we should split this in half."
0: Right. We both agree that nobody wants to listen to us for 45 minutes straight. No, no, we Sunday didn't agree mornings, on that. I think people love on hearing me. During church. All right. Then we can then we can handle the 45 minutes. <laughs> they funny. want to listen to you for 45 minutes. Maybe we'll put it there. No, that way. they don't. So, um, looking in the Old Testament, does the Bible condone or reject slavery? Yeah. So, I want to give a I want to give a premise. Uh,
1: we teach inductive Bible study here a lot, right? Observe, interpret, apply. Um, and part of observing a passage uh, is asking things like, you know, who's speaking? Who's the hearer? Um, you know, why is that? Why is that written? And was it written the way it is? And and so without going any deeper sidetracking, uh, imagine, if you will, Jesus is saying something. Okay, that we treat that one way, right? But if Pharaoh in Exodus is saying something, we don't treat Pharaoh's words as uh, normative for us. If Pharaoh says something, we don't think we're supposed to obey that. But if Jesus says something, we think we are. And so the speaker matters, right? The context matters. They're both God's word. We treat them both as inerrant and, and necessary, right? And that they tell a story, but for a different purpose. And so I want, I want to remind people that sometimes a passage is written to God's people who are enslaved. We'll see that today. They're not in power, right? They're not allowed or they don't have the opportunity to change the context they're in. Sometimes God is writing or the Bible is writing and telling uh, what God is doing with people that are in power, right? And there's a very different setting there. What do you do if you are the slave? What do you do if you are the powerful? And so we're going to look at two two contexts a day in the same book, so that we have the same author so that you know, it's the same time period, right? So that we can contrast some of the meaning. And I also just want to mention that words matter. And what you can't see in English, uh, you can see in Hebrew, which my Hebrew is far less far. I'm way worse at Hebrew than I am. I'm pretty decent at Greek. But there's a there's a spelling change today that we'll talk about a little bit. And so words matter, right? And context matters. And we have to take those into the conversation that we're having today. One Bible dictionary I looked at, uh, as I was looking through some of the Hebrew changes, uh, made this uh, made this said this line right here. uh, Slavery as it existed under Mosaic law has no modern parallel. So I want you to hear that there's no modern parallel, but that's under Mosaic law, not all of Scripture. And so there are some parallels. But then there are sometimes the word is used under mosaic law that aren't parallels for the, the slavery that we know of. So just a thought, uh, words change have different meaning. We don't always see that in English context changes.
0: Right. So we're kind of looking at a situation where I, I think the, the common understanding of this is, is like the English word love. Right. Right. We have one word for love and I use the same word for how much I love you know, pizza and how much I love my wife. Right. Same word, different meaning completely. But although I, I do love pizza. And God's love for you, right? So many dynamics, and we use one word. Right. So we see in the, in the Greek, there's there's multiple words for love. Right. So which word is used in the Greek makes a big difference. Same Nuances. thing in the Hebrew. So yeah. we're going to look at that in and looking back at Exodus. So if we're talking about slavery, we're obviously going back to Exodus. It's and, a great place, yeah. yeah. So let's just start with Exodus 1, uh, 12 through 14, partway through 12, And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service and mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. So what are we talking about here? Which word is used? Yeah,
1: Yeah, so context, when you read that, you hear words like ruthlessly made them work, right? That's ruthlessly is repeated twice. Uh, bitter and hard service made them work. So what we're talking about here is uh, probably the best parallel to American history, slavery, African American slavery, black slavery, right? And so the word slaves here is Abad. Now think in English, A-B-A-D, or if some people pronounce it A-V as in Victor, uh, but A-B as in boy, A-D as in dog, right? So Abad. Later, we're going to see it change to abed, where the vowels go from A's to E's. And there's a, it's a change, right? In Exodus 6, uh, just five chapters later. So the first, I want to say, and I'm not looking at, at I don't have this in front of me, but I, it's the first nine chapters or so where the word slavery is used as abod. And then it switches to right around the institution of Passover, when God says to Moses what Passover is when G- Moses tells the people what it is and then when they do it those it changes to abed because it start ta- it start talking about and I'm just going to use the word servants in their house but the same word slave right so this is abad this is the closest to our our view of slavery and in Exodus 6 God says this say to the people of Israel I'm the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egypt uh, the Egyptians. excuse me and I will deliver you from slavery Abadah to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. You shall know that I'm the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And so God says, Listen, I'm going to deliver you from this unjust slavery that you're in. That's the context that we that is
0: most like what we think of with slavery and God delivers them. So only a short time later, Um, there's kind of a, it seems like a a pretty mind blowing passage where these same Jews who were slaves, um, almost seems like they're now allowed to have slaves. But as you're saying, there's a a word change here, but in Exodus 21, one through six, or actually just, just looking at verse one, we'll start with that. Now, these are the rules that you shall set before them. When you buy a Hebrew slave, you shall, or he shall serve six years and the seventh year he shall go free for nothing. So, how does this situation with the Jews differ from what they were going through in Egypt? Yeah, let me, let me. I'm, so the next thing I say is
1: not true. I want I want to say something that is poor theology to make a point why this stuff matters, right? Because if you say, "Hey, it's not okay that you made us slaves, but it's okay if we make you slaves," that sounds like, and I'll just use racial slavery, like white people saying white people can be slave owners and black people can only be slaves it, it gives two categories of people right that's not what's going on in this passage so now back to what is true you can misunderstand this but what we don't see in english because we see the same word slave right is a spelling change in hebrew uh, to abed right but also we see a rules change and a people change so here's three things that happen in hebrew with the words the the spelling changes the people group changes. It's not Hebrews can now go enslave Egyptians. It's Hebrews and Hebrews, which makes it more confusing for a minute, right? And then there's guidelines, right? So there's a there's a, a complete context change. And this is starting in Exodus 20. You just read Exodus 21 verses one and two. Starting in Exodus 20 is what we have as the Mosaic law or the Mosaic Sinaitic covenant, right? God's covenant with Israel here. And so this is different. And, and I, I just imagine if you will, I am broke and I want to go start a business. And I come to you who is wealthy because Rob is a baller, he's rich. And I say, hey, I need to borrow some money. I need uh, $50,000 so I can go uh, plant a field of wheat. Okay, and, you, and you're, a, you're a great guy and you do that for me. And I'm a trustworthy guy, so you do that. And I go plant this, this field of wheat and it grows. And I I, I begin to do that. And then a, a drought strikes, and I lose all my wheat, right? Well, now I have no money, I spent your money, and I have no wheat, I have no way to pay you back, right? Exodus 21 is written to that circumstance, same people group Hebrew to Hebrew. And what it is, is when I run out of money, and I have no way to pay you back, and I have no, now I can't work, I can't do anything, right? Our modern culture sees me as a victim. And you as a big bank, right? That's not necessarily true. We're talking about two human beings. For whatever reason, you have some money and I don't. You loaned it to me. You trusted me. I now have no way of paying you back. So this gives me a dignified way to go and pay you back. I can go and work for you for up to six years. In the seventh year, you got to set me free. Doesn't say how big the debt was. Doesn't matter. I can, for six years, I can serve under you as a slave or servant, right? And pay you back But it goes on it says but if the slave this is three verses later verse five If the slave plainly says I love my master and my wife and my children I don't want to go out free Then his master shall bring him to God and they shall bring him to the door of the doorpost and His master shall bore his ear through with an awl He shall be a slave forever now, that sounds crazy What they do is they pierce his ear and they put a gold ring in his ear That's what they do And this is the slave or the servant saying listen I actually kind of like it here And I don't really have a big business opportunity beyond here. My family's here, and this guy's good to me. I just want to work for him for the rest of my life, right? I want to forego that freeing me in the seventh year, and this is what I want to do for a living. It's the difference between being a business owner and a business employee at that point, right? And they make a deal to have that and what the pay will be, and they do it in front of God as a covenant.
0: All right. So looking then at, um, you know, you talked about this difference in spelling, difference in the mm-hmm. way words are written makes yeah. a big difference right so you gave some examples you wrote some down here um father grandfather obviously right generational change yeah yeah so what are some other ones that you see in in that right. what's when the you... big difference between abed and ebed
1: right and so abad and abed as best as i can say it differently on a microphone right um and abadah which is slavery there's about seven hebrew words that i found Uh, that deal with slavery for everything from maidservant um, to uh, Yeah, to this to like actual slaves, and that's throughout the Old Testament, right? And here, what we have is a, a nuance change that you don't catch in English. So when I say father or grandfather, I'm adding words, I'm adding letters, excuse me to father to say, it's not my father, but my father's father, right? It gives a a nuance, right? Waiter or waitress. And I know we use server most of the time today, which by the way, servant, same ideas we're talking about, right? But waiter, waitress, by changing, adding two S's and reversing the E and the R, you go from male to female, right? That's a gender change. And so Abad has definitions like forced and imposed work, right? Ruthlessly made to work, Exodus said. Abed, has definitions or uh, can be translated slave, servant, minister, advisor, official, right? And so a lot more, um, it, it, it's elevated, there's a lot more dignity, a lot more, um, a lot freer, right? You, you could actually want to do that. But it's the same word it's and it's from the root word work. Am I being forced to work? Or am I given a job to do under somebody else? And it's kind of that kind of nuance change.
0: All right. So as we get toward the end of this uh, episode, I think a lot of times we look at these things, we're looking for deeper meaning, right? This, the, the story yeah. of the Israelites as slaves in Egypt um, wasn't just an historical story, that there was more to it than that. Uh, I think back to, we talked about Jonah five or six episodes ago and how there was fulfillment in Jonah's prophecy right there for him, yeah. but there was also a, a future understanding right. of it something that would come later. And so I wonder if there's something in that. um, I see in in Deuteronomy 16, verses 11 and 12, uh, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite who is within your towns, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are among you, at the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and you shall be careful to observe these statutes.
1: Yeah, same author, right? Moses, same thing, Mosaic law. So it's, it's think Exodus 20, or we read from 21, right? But think there forward. So it's not Egypt enslaving Hebrew. Now it's under the Mosaic law, what God would permit. So it's that kind of, how do I pay you off if I borrowed money from you, and I and I lost everything, whether it's my fault or not my fault, right? Could be because of nature, right? What do I do? Right. And so uh, later, god reminds them hey remember the egyptian slave remember when you were the wrong kind right now not only just remember that like remember what i did for you god's saying make this memorial of remembrance of how much i've delivered you what i've given you you were powerless you were enslaved it was ruthless you were forced and i set you free now you're free now you're the one in power not the powerless right but he says this in the verse you just read right Rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son and your daughter. And I I always think of this. If you were delivered from slavery, but you had your son and your daughter after deliverance, you got to pass that on. You got to tell them what you went through, what God did for you, that they don't have to experience, right? But they should know, hey, it's because of God we didn't experience this. He even goes further. He talks about the Levite or the priest that's in their town, the sojourner, that'd be like the migrant, the fatherless, that's an orphan, the widow, that's the, you know, those who don't have any husband or family. He says, Hey, not only did I set you free, and it blessed you, and you should teach your children about that, you should also give that away. What I've given you when you had nothing, you should give that to those who don't have the migrant, the fatherless, the widow, right? This, you know, whatever. He says, you shall remember that you were a slave, and you should be careful. To observe these statues. So remember what I've done for you, and then I want you to go do that for others. That pay it forward kind of gets talked about a lot, right? I want you to do what I did for you. I want you to do
0: for other people. Yeah, I love that. It's a it's a reminder to remember. Yeah. Right. It's the. I think I think that that plays with us too. Just don't forget. Don't forget who you were before. Absolutely. Christ, Christ, you know, saved you, brought you. Um, out of that. Um, we'll talk about that New Testament-wise out Absolutely. of that slavery, but that idea of you know, forgive because we were forgiven. Love the way that we have been loved. Don't look down on those who, who haven't come to Christ yet because you were there once yourself. And so all of that kind of wraps together as how we treat others. So we want to thank you for listening. Again, next week on Tuesday, we'll release the next episode, which will be the New Testament side of this. Um, Please share our podcast with others, maybe use it as a discussion starter, sit and talk over these things with other people. Uh, give us a like, give us a review, subscribe to it. If you have questions you'd like us to address in the future, the email address is questions at generations.email. May God bless you this week. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church G-E-N, family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at GenFamilyChurch.